Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League podcast. Leeds United back in business as Southampton suffer again. A 3-0 win at Ellen Road for Marcelo Bielsa's side sees them back in the top half of the Premier League table and surely now free of any lingering relegation fears. As for Ralph Hasenhurtl's side, well, will they now be looking over their shoulders as their winless top flight run stretches to nine games? Is it time for a change at the top of St Mary's, some are asking. One club who did pull the trigger on a change of manager recently was Chelsea, and it seems to be paying off. A massive win in the Champions League last night for Thomas Tuchel's Blues, Olivier Giroud's beautiful overhead kick, enough to secure a vital away win. Can they defend their 1-0 lead at Stamford Bridge? Also, Manchester City are in European action tonight as they take on German side Borussia Mönchengladbach. Plus, we answer your questions later on in the podcast, including whether we think the Premier League is overrated. I can't believe that's even been sent in as a question. This is Football Social Daily, the only Premier League podcast with a new show seven days a week right throughout the season. I'm Niall McCorn and joining me today we have Matt Pidd. Hi, Matt. Hi, Niall. Yeah, very good, mate. And Ian Brannan's also here. How are you doing, Ian? Hi, yes, good, thanks, yes, thanks, good to be here. I'm sure you're both in pretty good moods, considering uh, Leeds had a great victory last night, Ian, and of course uh, Manchester City going well as well, so I'm hoping for an upbeat podcast today from you both. <laughs> yeah, well, we've got to do uh, um, due uh, diligence, I suppose, before we start and say that, um, Niall, you yourself are a big Portsmouth fan. Before we get stuck <laughs> into the Southampton game, there might be a little yeah. bit of bias here uh, <laughs> from, from both sides, so just, no. just sort of put that red triangle before we head into it. Surely not. You had a good night last night, though, didn't you, Niall? Didn't you beat Oxford last beat night? Beat Oxford, mate. Ended a two-game uh, run of back-to-back defeats. So happy with that. Um, good results all around, man. Good results all around. <laughs> I think we'll have a happy trio on today's Football Social Daily. Let's kick off, then, with a look back at that game last night in the Premier League. The result finished Leeds United 3, Southampton 0. I mean, great result for Leeds, no doubt about it. A, a valuable result for Leeds as well. It takes them up to 35 points now, Ian. Is that job done now for Leeds United? Feet up, they're safe from relegation or do you think there's still a little bit more uh, work to be done? 
I think they're safe from relegation. I think probably, um, I don't think people would like to have admitted it, but I think probably for the last couple of games, the way that the rest of the league has gone, Leeds have been well clear of that situation down below. Um, you can't really, I mean, if 40 points is always that figure that's banded around and sometimes it's more and sometimes it's less. I think when Leeds got relegated, I think they got relegated with more than 40 points. I think they were one of the first teams to, <laughs> typically to get relegated with that. But um, I can't imagine that between now and the end of the season that Leeds are not going to pick up five points points I don't think it's going to come down to that anyway I think Leeds are now showing themselves to be um, a fairly established Premier League team I can't imagine for one second that the phrase job done feet up will be something that is being echoed around the Thorpe Arch training ground Um, I think if you saw the game last night you'll have seen Leeds 3-0 up against Southampton and in the 94th minute pressing for a fourth or even a fifth. Um, So it's not the Marcelo Bielsa way to take the foot off the gas. I think that Leeds fans like that about him, that it's it's full throttle all the way, um, because I think that there probably were uh, eras in the past where, yes... Uh, it would have been, yeah, we're, we're coasting now and and that's when I think you probably do get yourself into trouble. But no, I don't think they're going to take the foot off the gas. Um, but yes, I do think they're probably safe, barring an absolute capitulation of, of, of epic proportions. Yeah, I think Marcelo Bielsa would have something to say about it if all the players did... Uh... Uh, proverbially put their feet up and you know what they say at the end of the season oh the players were on the beach but I'm not sure there'll be any <laughs> any players on the beach between now and the end of the season for Leeds unless it's Cornwall <laughs> unless it, yeah well even then unnecessary travel Matt you know the rules <laughs> um, Leeds goal difference is zero a big fat zero 43 goals scored 43 goals conceded after last night's result do you think that's just a bit of a tale of their season Matt because we've said so many times already throughout the campaign that we never know if Leeds are going to win three nil or lose three nil and I guess the goal difference being zero kind of encapsulates that quite nicely yeah I mean I remember when we played them early on in the season at Ellen Road it's one of the craziest games of football I've ever watched in my life it was like end to end it was like a game of FIFA where you mate um but that's been the refreshing thing about Leeds this season it's been like just more like just a gun hole attacking 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 and not really focusing on the uh, defensive side and it doesn't surprise me that they've got a, a zero goal difference because obviously they've conceded as many as they've scored and that's one of the things that Bielsa will be looking at next season I believe if they're going to progress in the Premier League they're going to need to bolster up at the back and it does help when you've got a striker like Patrick Bamford you know getting the goals that he's getting in the Premier League he's got 13 goals this season and five assists in the league so that's a great return for him and I didn't see him being able to do that. I knew he was a good championship striker, but he seems to have stepped his game up majorly this season and um, put his money where his mouth is in the Premier League. And, you know, against Southampton, he didn't have as much possession and um, they had less shots, but he was more ruthless in front of goal and that'll that'll be a big positive for Bielsa because we all know, it. You can, as, as a City fan, I've seen us have so many shots on goal and, you know, do little with it, but they seem to be being more ruthless in front of goal, which is great for them. 10th in the Premier League, sitting with 35 points. I think he would have asked any right-thinking Leeds fan at the start of the season at this stage, if he was there now, would you take it? They'd snap your hand off. So it's credit to Bielsa, and it's credit to the way Leeds have set up to play their their football. They've not changed. They've, we all know what Bielsa's like. He's a big character, and he's, um, he's a massive figure in the, the managerial world. And um, credit to him and credit to his lead side, and I hope that they can push on next season and um, improve from there. 
I don't want to read too much into goal difference, Ian, because, you know, if you look at the Premier League table, West Ham are fourth and their goal difference is 10. Everton is seventh and their goal difference is just four. Um, and there's only five points between them. So I don't want to look too much into goal difference. It's normally something that you kind of use to determine who wins a league or who gets into a final place or who gets relegated at the end of a season. But is there any concerns from a Leeds perspective about being successful and progressing in the Premier League with a a dead level goal difference? They're 10th in the Premier League. They've conceded the same amount of goals as they've scored. 10th is as mid-table as you can get because there's obviously 20 teams in the league. Amazing um, considering it's the first season back in the Premier League for 16 years. But with a view to the future, do you think that there will be some concerns about maybe tightening up at the back and, and really you know, sorting out those defensive frailties. Yeah, but I think it was well you've got to take into account that Leeds have been without their first choice back three or back four all season. Um, and I think last night, well, even last night wasn't wasn't the full back four because they've still got injuries. Um, Lorente, who played his first full 90 minutes for Leeds last night, um, has been out since before the start of the season. They signed him. He went off to play for Spain the day after signing him before the um, transfer window, the summer transfer window had finished. And he got injured on that first um, round of international matches right at the very start of the season. So he's not been, and he played a uh, about five minutes um, against uh, Newcastle so he's not been playing so Leeds' defence hasn't been the first choice defence in the same way as Liverpool are, are suffering uh, with without Van Dijk I think you know you, you, Lorente is a, a Spanish international first choice defender so he's a, he's a serious miss and, and I think Leeds benefited last night from him because he was he was providing some attacking difference so it'd be interesting to see when Leeds get their full team This the other, the other thing as well was that um, this victory last night was the first one that I can think of, a certainly convincing victory, certainly in the second half performance, where they've done it without um, without Calvin Phillips and Rodrigo, um, who have been really the, the, the driving force, along with Rafinha in the midfield. But when they've been without Calvin Phillips, that's when they've been tanked um, more often than not, or they've certainly struggled. So it was reassuring, really, to get that result against Southampton in a fairly comfortable fashion without those players. And when they get Rodrigo back, Calvin Phillips back, and Lorente in the team, and they actually, when Bielsa can play his first dream 11, if you like, from that from the, the players available, um, it'll be interesting to see what happens because it just hasn't happened so far yet. So I think where they've got to this season um, as it is, is, uh, is reassuring because... You know, it's um, it's with, it's been without the first choice um, first choice team in um, pretty much every case. Nice to see as well them pay a little bit of a tribute to Granny Vell, who you alluded to on the oh, podcast yeah. last week. Um, first victory since sadly she passed away, and like you say, there's been evidence that she's been a, a real important factor to to that group of Leeds mm. players, a bit of that you know matriarchal figure. So um, nice to see them pay tribute to her after a big win for Leeds last night. It's a tight-knit team. You know, the group of players are a tight-knit team. They're all in it together, and I think that shows. You know, they are a proper team. We've talked about this before where, yeah, you can have a team of players on the pitch, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're together as humans, if you know what I mean. They're not all, like, in the same zone and fighting. And they are doing that, and they're they're doing it for people like Granny Val, and they're doing it for people like Marcelo Bielsa. You know, that's, that's why they're doing it. They're all proud of the team. And I think when people start talking about, like, last night, you know, Rafinha's having, a, a, you know, a few worldy 
performances at the moment and people are going, oh, well, he'll be going to Chelsea soon. I don't, I don't know if he will. He might do. But I think certainly when it comes to players like Calvin Phillips and, and the other sort of standout um, players where people are talking about Leeds being cherry-picked by the bigger teams, I'm not sure that'll happen because if Bielsa stays there, and I suspect he probably will, that you know that they're they're doing a job. They're in they're on a project, on a mission, not to and in the same way that um, we'll probably talk about this a little bit later, I guess, because the question's been asked in the any any questions. But in in the same way that it, their job was to get out of the championship and into the Premier League, their next job is to try and get into the upper echelons of, of the Premier League, and. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're probably going to do it but eventually. It, but it took 16 years for part A of that to be completed. So yeah. I don't know how long not, part not B is going to take. At least not under all, all, all of it was uh, Bielsa's watch. There was a few crazy eras before that, <laughs> including the mad, the mad professor and uh, Neil Warnock. Uh, you know, it was a crazy day. I will give you that. I will give you that. Um, you talk about crazy days. What on earth has happened to Southampton, Matt, since they lost, uh, since they beat, sorry, Liverpool by a goal to nil and Ralph Hasenhurtl sunk to his knees and decided to cry about it? They've not won a Premier League game. That's now nine games without a victory for them, which has seen them really plummet down the table, considering they were in the top four for a decent chunk of the first part of the season they were even top of the table at one point it's a remarkable fall from grace any reason in your mind why that might be or just the the case that the Premier League is ruthless well that was January the 4th so that was a long time ago they beat Liverpool and they've had a couple of FA Cup victories against Arsenal and Wolves in between that that have maybe sort of like papered over the cracks but like you said they've, they've not they've not won in nine league games that is a long long time and, you know, they're getting sucked now into that relegation battle, the 14th, and they've got 30 points. You know, they've got teams like Fulham that are picking up points here and there, and obviously Newcastle are only five points behind them, Brighton only four, you know. So if they're not careful, they don't start picking up points soon, they could quite easily get sucked into that um, that 18th spot, you know, because we know, we know West Brom and Sheffield United, you know, they're, they're gone, they're history, do you know what I mean? They're in the championship. <laughs> they're, they're, they're playing for championship football already next season. There's one relegation place there, now and and Fulham seem to be putting up a little bit of a fight, mm. and the the Southampton got beat nine nil by Man United in between these, and I think that's probably where things started to go from bad to worse, because mm. once you get they got tanked nine nil by Leicester last season, but it seems to spur them on a little bit. But it's it's been it's been a reverse effect this season. So they've been tanked nine nil by United, and it seems to have had the reverse effect on them. So I can't I, mm. I, I can't put my finger on where it's actually gone wrong. Maybe it's just a little bit of bad luck here and there. Because what yeah. what before this happened, like Ward Prowse was being like touted as like one of the next top English talents, and I've not really heard much of him since. Rafinha's mm. showing him how to take free kicks last night, didn't he? Do you know what I mean? But um, maybe <laughs> maybe it's just a case. It's just it's just a bad run of form, and they'll pick up a one nil scrappy win here. Um, coming up in the next fixture, and maybe they'll uh, they'll kick on from there. But like you said, they've, they've mm. got to be careful. It's been na- it's been nine league games now, and Hootel is had a lot of praise about the way he's turned things around at Southampton. And we know how fickle football can be. Football is a results based game. If he doesn't start picking up results soon, you know the vultures might start to fly over him a little bit, and um, questions might start to be asked. They have had loads of injuries, to be fair to Southampton. Yeah. but I- I'm glad you brought it up because. You know, I, I mean, that was one of my questions. Ralph Hasenhurtl was given plenty of praise for the way that he turned the ship around when they got beat 9-0 by Leicester last season, Matt. He said that the 9-0 against Leicester was different to the 9-0 against Man United. And he claimed that the 9-0 against Man United was less acceptable because they're a better team now than they were then. And I think that that's a fair assessment. But like you say, since then, they've absolutely plummeted. And, you know, in terms of the pressure that he's under... 
I mean, it's clear to see that there's plenty of it. And, and can you understand those Southampton fans now that are starting to think maybe it's time for a change of manager? Of course, they've got every right to, because I think that's um, any 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 question to be asked, really, if you've not won in nine league games, I don't care who you are, if you're Hassan Hootl, Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. If, if it was any of those managers, questions would be asked. So, of course, Southampton fans have got a right to be asking those questions. Like you said, they were sitting like fourth not, not too not too long ago in the distant past, you know, and now they're now the 14th, so that's, they've dropped 10 places. That is a massive drop. And they, they, they are... They are on the, the cusp of getting sucked into that relegation battle. So um, we've seen teams press the panic button before, you know, and it pay off. But whenever we've seen teams press the panic button and it not pay off. So it's just it's just a question now of just taking it one game, game at a time. If they drop points in the next game or if they pick up three points, that could just be the difference on what they do next. So, yeah, Hassan Hootl is um, he's living on a knife edge at the moment. And, you know, if, if he doesn't pick up points in his next game, and yeah, more questions will be asked. Obviously, that leads to the argument, Ian, that he has done it before. He dusted Southampton off after the loss to Leicester and, and picked them up and, and took them on a decent run, obviously fired um, up the table by Danny Ings' goals. Do you think he can do it again? Do you think he's got it in him or do you think we would have already seen that by now? Because although that 9-0 defeat was a devastating loss, it was already four or five games ago now. So, you know, if he's going to turn it around, surely he's got to do it soon before they do get sucked in, like Max says. It seems to be some kind of weird cycle, doesn't it, Southampton? I'm 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 far from a, a Southampton fan or you know observer or whatever you want to call it. You know that. Me I, either, I, funnily enough. Yeah, I know. But, <laughs> but uh, you, at least, yeah. I mean, I've been to Southampton once, and that was to go to Peppa Pig World, and that's really where my knowledge of Southampton begins and ends. Um, but. It seems to me from a distance that Southampton are in this perpetual cycle of getting somewhere a little bit, getting a few results in the Premier League and then taking a few tankings. And then it's this whole, well, we're going to rebuild and I'm going to sort it out. And then, you know, they might get a nil-nil in the next match or a 1-1 and then maybe nick a victory and start progressing slowly. And then they'll get spanked again by somebody and go back down again. They don't ever seem to be challenging seriously for, you know, going up the table and, and that being a sustained action you know they're always mid-table I mean they have had uh, years where they've been relegated haven't they and and got back up and and all this kind of stuff um but they've never they've never really had a a, a, sort of a a a charge at consistently trying to stake a claim like Leicester have done in the top end of the Premier League it just seems to be Southampton they just they might go on a cup run uh here and there but you know that they're not really gonna trouble the top six uh, and they don't seem to be threatening it. And they've they've had some serious investment in the past, haven't they? They've, and they've got you know decent managers and all that. And they you know, they've 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 had traction, but they just can't maintain it for some reason. Yeah, certainly doesn't feel like their production line of an academy is uh, working at full tilt in the same yeah. way that it used to either, um, which is probably evident by the fact of the amount of young players that Ralph Hasenhurtl's had to bring into his team due to the injury crisis that they've got there down on the south coast. And it's not like we're seeing the, the next Gareth Bales or Theo Walcott's or even Alan Shearer's from a year gone by coming through at Southampton at the moment. So maybe that is an issue they need to address. But in terms of his team selection... Danny Ings left on the bench last night and a few fans definitely that I saw were really disgruntled with that team selection. Does it make much sense that, you know, you're eight games without a win going into last night and you leave your best striker on the bench? Is that just a bit of panic stations from the manager? I mean, is there any thinking behind that? I mean, surely you must realise that when you're in a bad situation, you want your best players out there to put it right. It did seem a bit weird, didn't it? That, and I, 
when there was talk of you know, Danny Ings being on the bench, I, I'm not sure. I, the, it, he did a rash challenge, didn't he, in the in the, the previous game, and and there was talk that maybe he was sort of play, paying some sort of price for that. I don't know if there's something gone off behind the scenes between Danny Ings and the manager or or whatever, but it did seem weird to, to have your two probably a couple of your most strongest. Um, players on the bench, and it must have been a relief for uh, for Marcelo Bielsa and, and and a boost for the Leeds team to think. Well, hang on a minute, why are they on the bench? We've got we've got half a chance here. I mean, to be fair, when they did come on, they didn't really make a massive um, difference to to the whole uh, proceedings in the second half. But um, yeah, you, it, it sends out a bad message. And again, we've talked about this before, where um, perhaps fan managers are, are getting away with stuff because there's no fans in the ground a little bit more, and and. You have to ask that question about Hassan Hussle if if there would be you know more booze, more crowd unrest if if the stadiums were full and then the board might listen to that a little bit more. Um, but obviously, as there's no fans in there, that that kind of pressure is not not currently there, and maybe he's uh, he's benefiting from that slightly. Last time they were struggling, they uh, threw the dice and went for Mark Hughes, and they very nearly went down by doing that before replacing him just in the nick of time with Hasenhurtel. Um Maybe we're seeing, like you say, a little bit of a strange cycle coming around, Ian, um, with what's going on down there at St Mary's. Final score last night in the Premier League was Leeds 3, Southampton 0. Good stuff for Leeds, not so great for Southampton. It was even better stuff, though, for Chelsea last night in the Champions League. We'll talk European football next here on Football Social Daily. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Listen to the latest Premier League news, updates and match reports now. Just ask Open Sport Social. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily. I'm Niall. I've got Ian and Matt with me and it's time to talk the UEFA Champions League of which Chelsea were in action last night. Away from home, albeit not quite away from home. They were in Budapest as has been often the case with these Champions League games recently due to coronavirus protocols and restrictions. Their opponents, Atletico Madrid, the Spanish side who are top of their respective division, the Spanish top flight um, and quite fearsome under Diego Simeone. Got some really good players. Luis Suarez to name just one of them who seems to have been on an absolute fiery run um, through the La Liga this season but hasn't quite done it in the Champions League and again it was the case last night that Atletico couldn't get the job done against Chelsea even though they weren't at home it was technically their home leg and it was an Olivier Giroud bicycle kick which was the difference Chelsea won the game by a goal to nil and just how important do you think that goal might be Matt because we know what the Champions League does it can draw up some incredible games just because of that away goals rule Against a side as good as Atletico Madrid, who are top of the La Liga, I mean, to win 1-0 away from home, I don't think Tuchel could have asked for much more from his players last night. Absolutely not. Um, and we know how good Atletico are at defending. Simeone yeah. has, <laughs> ha, has them just... this. They've got, he's got this game plan in every single night game that he, he puts his team into. The, they, they just know what to do. They're all they're all they're so organised. They're probably one of the most organised sides defensively I've ever seen, especially in Europe. Um, and they're not the the thing is though, even though they've got Luis Suarez, they're still not great going forward. That I mean, he's a quality player, Luis Suarez. Don't get me wrong, but they seem to focus more on the defensive aspects of things. And I mean, last night they didn't even have a shot on target, and you know they didn't have the ball as much as Chelsea. So for me, Chelsea deserved that win, and they deserved to have that um, that moment of brilliance from Olivier Giroud. And I think he's got six goals in Europe this season, Giroud. He seems to turn it on in Europe. And he's one of these players that is capable 
of pulling that out of the bag. We've seen him in the past with his scorpion kicks and stuff like that. And he is he is really, really good at what he does when he holds the ball up, links up with the midfield. And, you know, fair play to Chelsea last night. They deserved the win. And it's a it's a massive goal going into a game in the second leg. That he could quite easily sit on that 1-0 lead, but I can't see them doing that. I can see them going in for the kill. And Atletico are going to have to go for it now as well. So it could be um, a case of Chelsea kicking them off on the counter-attack or something like that. But... Um, Tuchel's come in and he's put a positive on Chelsea I mean I I thought it was a bit harsh sacking Lampard to be honest I think they, they pulled the trigger a little bit too soon but maybe that's because I like Lampard because of his little stint at City I've, I've got a little bit of a soft spot for him um, but I also like Tuchel at Dortmund he only won one trophy for him at Dortmund he only won the um, the Pokal at Dortmund and that was it wasn't what his, his football deserved you know he was he, he had them playing some quality football he had some quality players there um, and I expect him to bring that to Chelsea now and once he's got a full season under his belt and he's built a team around what his philosophies are, I can see Chelsea pushing on and doing bigger things. Do you think they can hold on to that lead, Matt? I mean, it's always a slender lead 1-0, but the fact it's an away goal obviously gives it a slight bigger advantage. You know, but like you say, Atletico will come out all guns are blazing in the second leg and they'll obviously want to turn it around. So do you think they've got what it takes to hold on at home when the time comes? Yeah, I think they've got what it takes. I think they've got what it takes. And even if they do concede Chelsea, they've, they've still got it about them to go and put another um, two or three up the pitch and um, just go in for the kill. So, no, I, I, I can see Chelsea just um, maybe just not keeping a clean sheet in the second leg, but just getting over the line. I can see them just outscoring Atletico at um, in and like I can see them just doing a job on them and um, Tuchel will know that Tuchel will know what Atletico have got to come and do in the second leg and he'll he'll recognise that and he'll he'll set his team up to uh, to do so Giroud's bicycle kick or overhead kick whatever you want to call it an excellent excellent finish uh, the reason the goal stood because he was quite clearly in an offside position was because uh, the ball that ended up dropping to him came off an Atletico Madrid defender and it took absolutely ages Ian for VAR to make the decision about three and a half minutes actually but at least they got the decision right they looked at plenty of replays at VAR and they checked that the ball did actually come off an Atletico man therefore Giroud was onside despite being in the traditional offside position do you think that's the key despite the time it took because the celebrations after the goal were nice but they were definitely anticlimactic for me from the Chelsea players especially for a goal of that quality in a game of that importance because of that pause in the decision making it didn't feel quite the same as we'd come to expect let's just say yeah, I know what you mean. The VAR does kind of dampen the celebration slightly, doesn't it? Especially when it's a goal that might or might not stand. You have that sort of half celebration and then standing around a bit, and then. But I have noticed actually in the last few um, few weeks or months that that players have been celebrating more uh, a little bit together once the um, once the final confirmation has come through. So I think they are sort of getting used to it a little bit. But I think that it, that is the point of VAR, isn't it? Because if that goal um, had been chalked off. Uh, a year or two ago we'd be stood here saying about how that goal should have stood it came off the the opposition player it should it was a fine goal Chelsea should have had a lead and we should be using video replays so uh, it, it's, it's doing its job yeah it takes time but it, it's getting the result right and nobody's getting ripped off nobody's um, going to feel um, afterwards that they should have had a lead or they, sh- they should have been in the next round of the Champions League and actually it's been cost because of some kind of uh, administrative error somewhere. Um, it's just it, it. If that's how long it takes 
to sort yeah. it out, then that's how long it takes. But then in other... Is that the most important thing for you then? Well, the fact that they just get it right regardless yeah. of the time? Because in my opinion, I think it's striking a fine balance because it, from the since the highlights packages that I've seen of the game last night, it shouldn't have taken them that long to, to figure out that the ball was clearly kicked by an Atletico Madrid defender. I yeah. mean, you could see that after yeah. two replays. Why has it taken them three or four minutes to make the decision? It's a pretty simple decision, if you ask me. The one thing that I wish they would do is, um, and, and we see replays and delays in other sports. Um, for example, cricket, probably the, the one that we're most familiar with in this country. Mm. Uh, the NFL um, is, is the other one. And, and I mean, the NFL is, is full of delays, isn't it? I mean, the, the game only lasts 80 minutes and you're in there for four or five hours. It's, uh, it's, it's incredible. But, but they're, they're, they entertain the crowd during that time. That's something that we're not really um, up with, largely because we've had no crowds in the, in the grounds uh, during VAR times for a great deal of time but um i wish that there was more um sort of an audio feed about what they're discussing because then we would understand why it's taking them so long there must have been something else they were looking at um and if they could if they're probably going yeah that suarez he's a right yeah (laughs) just looking at it again and again and just appreciating it say what a great kick Look at that. What a, great, what a great goal by Giroud. Yeah, yeah fantastic. Te- textbook bicycle kick, that. Uh, hey, Jeff, look at this. And that was run it again. Um, <laughs> and it could be something like that. But if, if there was more communication between you know the officials, the fans, the TV companies mm. and all that, which, which is there because that communication is happening in that stadium, um, to get a feed of that, we'd understand a little bit more about the thought process. And I think that probably goes for, for referees in general, really. I think it's a fair point. And I think it's something that, probably the powers that be the the games lawmakers will probably have to discuss at some point because especially considering when you're sat in the ground when fans do return hopefully sooner rather than later um there's no uh, you know replays for those people sat in the stands looking at the big screen they don't see anything it's only the people at home Mm. that get to see the tv replays so i do think you know we could have a whole podcast about var i don't want to do that but i do think that there are definitely tweaks that can be made and um, as much as I dislike it and want it to go, I think it is here to stay and I'm probably going to have to accept that at some point. Talking of being here to stay, Ian, Olivier Giroud, uh, he's been urged by his national team manager in recent months to leave Chelsea to find more regular game time. Uh, is he proven a point when he does play that that might not even be the case? Because he seems to deliver every time he comes out onto the pitch. Another massive goal for Chelsea again last night. Yeah, he's he started the season off pretty slowly, didn't he? And then he's um, certainly got his... He's act together over recent times. And I think particularly in the Champions League, he's been really strong for uh, you know for, for Chelsea and, and made a massive difference. Um, I wasn't expecting this question, so I did have some Giroud facts, which I closed down. Um, but he's the oldest player to score in the knockout stages of the UEFA Champions League for Chelsea and the oldest to do for, for an English <laughs> side since Ryan Giggs versus Schalke in 2011. So he's very much the eldest statesman. But the... 15 goals in 16 starts uh, in the Champions League and the Europa League in, in, the, uh, in the European games. He is Mr. Europe for Chelsea. He pretty mm-hmm. much scores every time. So, yeah, massive yeah. massive on that level, but different in the Premier League slightly. But again, his chances have been a little bit more limited. But something certainly suits him about European football more than the domestic mm-hmm. stuff, you have to say. I love the obligatory Ian Brennan start. I love that. I love that. That is oh, fine. Did you see that how I just uh, seamlessly filled while I rediscovered my stat? Oh, you pulled that one right out of the back there, mate. You're obviously good at uh, <laughs> cramming in the revision last minute before the exams, Ian, because despite closing the tab down, you still managed to remember the stat. 
stats immediately off the top of your head, which I yeah, love. There was there was there was one guy I used to work with who uh, who was a sports journalist. Uh, he was a football commentator actually, and he at one time he was reading um, a news bulletin. And um, the computer had completely crashed, and he did the entire news bulletin off the top of his head, and you would never have known. And that's the level of um, filling that, that I aspire to. Unbelievable stuff. Anyway, Olivier Giroud's <laughs> overhead kick, the difference as Chelsea secured a really important win in the Champions League last 16 last night, beating Atletico Madrid by a goal to nil. Um, that's just two goals conceded um, by Chelsea under Thomas Tuchel's tenure so far. Things are going really well for him at the helm of Stamford Bridge right now. Um, probably not as well as what it's going for Pep Guardiola at Manchester City, though. Unbelievable form. 18 wins in a row, looking to make it 19 in all competitions when they take on Borussia Mönchengladbach tonight in their Champions League last 16 game. Should be a comfortable win for your side, Matt, all things considered. Um, Mönchengladbach aren't doing as well in the Bundesliga this season as they did last year, um, but they've still got a point to prove in Europe and no games in the Champions League are easy, but but that being said, you'd expect City to win this, surely. I mean, when it comes to Europe, um, I think just form in the league goes out the window. And like you said, Mönchengladbach aren't doing as well in the league as they were last season. They're sitting eighth at the moment and have not won in the last three. And they've just lost their manager, Marco Rosa, to Borussia Dortmund next season, mm. which um, a lot of the fans aren't happy about because we know there's this culture in Germany where you see Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich just cherry pick off the rest. And you know we 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 know how good. Well, if you if you follow European football, Marco Rosa's got um, Munch and Godblatt playing. They've got some quality players. Um, they've got Marcus Turam, who's one of their strikers. Lillian mm. Turam's son, former yeah. Juventus and uh, France defender. He's banging yeah. in goals. They've got Alison Player, who's another French international, mm. banging in goals for him. They've got their captain and talisman, Lars Stindl, who I think is yeah. fantastic on his day. Um, he seems Florian to, Neuhaus is another no, one. Neuhaus, great exciting. midfielder, great midfielder, great mm. young midfielder coming through for Germany. Um, so yeah, they've got some quality players there, and even though it's not at Borussia Park and it's in a neutral venue, it's still going to be a difficult game for us tonight. We may have won our last eighteen, you know, on the bounce, and I do love saying that, by the way, in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> um, when it comes to Europe, there's this there's this fear with City fans that Pep Guardiola is going to somehow overthink it and uh, mess it all up. I can't see him doing that this time, though. I think he may have learned finally from his mistakes in Europe because that was a thing that City fans were going mental about when we went out to Lyon last season. He's overthought mm. it. He's thinking more about the opposition rather than his own team. He's trying to to think about how to counter the opposition rather than just do what we do. You know, we go. He's not done that for a while, though. No, Matt. he's not. So he's are, not. are you worried that he's coming tonight? I don't think it's coming tonight. No, I, th- I think we'll go out and play our own game tonight. I think we won't focus on Munch and Gladbach as a team. I think we'll just focus on ourselves going, look, lads, we've won our last 18 on the bounce. Let's just go out and do what we do. I don't know what side he's going to pick, obviously, because you know I've not got um, a vision into the future. We, we know Pep Guardiola's <laughs> team selections can be a tad erratic at times. I'd love to see Aguero start. I don't know what it is at the moment. He's, he's fit enough to be on the bench, so why isn't he getting the minutes? Is he just being apprehensive? Is he just wrapping him up in cotton wool a bit too much? Or is he happy at the moment with the way things are going he doesn't think that we necessarily need him going forward? We've been... Do you think he's going to leave, Sergio Aguero? <sighs> I've I've heard rumblings of there's been something happening behind the scenes with him and he's not too happy and he's not discussing his future now till the end of the season. I I really hope not because you know he's he's coming up to his tenth year now as a, as a, a City player. We signed him in 2011, you know, in um, July. So 
we, we, we'd love to give him um, a testimonial send-off. I'd like to see him have at least one more season with us because this season he's been so injury hit. He's, it's not mm-hmm. a season that he'd like to go out and you know with City with. You know, we'd like to have one full season or one relatively injury-free season where he can score a few yeah. in the Premier mm-hmm. League. And he's still and he's not. I don't think he'll break Alan Shearer's record, obviously, but I think he can. You know, he can he can get up there. He can maybe get up to second place. You know, and mm-hmm. um, obviously go further ahead of um, Eric Brooks' record at Sitter. You know, so it's it's going to be one of them. I'm just going to have to wait and see now what happens with with Aguero. If he starts tonight, you know, I'd I'd be absolutely buzzing with that. As you say, obviously unusual times at the moment. No Premier League goal for Sergio Aguero in over a year, which is just remarkable for a player of that quality. But obviously there have been uh, determining factors to that fact. He's been injured. Um, He had coronavirus at one stage, had to self-isolate at another period as well. So it would be a shame if he does leave at the end of the season after City have won the league and there are no fans to kind of give him a send-off. So um, we'll have to wait and see what happens with Sergio Aguero. He might even play tonight against Mönchengladbach. Who knows? What do you think the approach will be from Guardiola, Ian, is it just a case in these European games, as we've already mentioned with away goals, of establishing a lead of two or three maybe uh, on the road to make it harder for Mönchengladbach to get anything in the return leg, just to kind of blow them off the park first up? Do you think that we might see that approach from Man City? Yeah, sure. I think with with Champions League games in general, um, you know, getting getting any kind of result away from home obviously very much uh, makes things a little bit safer when it when it comes to the the second leg if if you are at home. So um, anything that get on the board could uh, obviously count for could count for more. I think that. Man City are going to uh, go for it as they always do. Uh, they're not really um, a park the bus um, sort of side, are they? And, uh, and, and and as you're mentioning, they've got pretty much a full strength team to pick from. So I don't think there's going to be much in the way of players rested or um, going easy on it. You know, you're in the the knockout stages of the Champions League. Um, it's uh, you know it's it's, a, it's big time. Munch and Gladbach are not particularly well versed in the knockout stages. I don't think I think this is the first time they've been this far in the Champions League before. So it's not really around that they're in and but everybody's mm-hmm. good at this stage so it's you know there's there's always the chance of a, a sting in the tail but I think Manchester City should um, should have the experience to, and, and the strength um, of a full squad to, um, to to do the job tonight famous last words I said that last week about somebody and they got tanked <laughs> <laughs> I think Munchen Gladbach have won a European trophy in the past, not the Champions League or the European Cup. I think they won the old Cup Winners Cup or the UEFA Cup or something like that, maybe back yeah, in the day. But um, I've got a big soft spot for Borussia Munchen Gladbach. I've actually. Um, right next to me as I'm recording this podcast got a Mönchengladbach scarf um, that I've had I've got a shirt <laughs> yeah I've got an, uh, one of the old Kappa shirts I love green and black going together they've got um, a European kit that's always green and black and yeah I bought it a few years ago it's Kappa one it's dead smart I've got a scarf here that I've had for 20 years that I got from their old stadium um, the last season that they played there before they moved to Borussia Park um, and yeah, my youth football team, we went on a tour to Germany. We played against Mönchengladbach and we beat them. So they gave us all scarves. So uh, nice, nice little memento there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so um, I'm not wishing them to beat Manchester City tonight, but I secretly am. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. <laughs> that's not, hey, listen, that's fine. They're an underdog. Everyone goes for the underdog, don't they? <laughs> uh, we'll be answering your questions next on Football Social Daily. If you have any questions for us for next week's show, all you need to do is get in touch with us on social media, at The Sports Social on Twitter, at Sports Social Official on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook, just Search for The Sports Social. All questions answered coming up next here on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. To hear the latest Premier League news for your team, just ask Open Sport Social. 
Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social, the only daily Premier League podcast you can find seven days a week, a brand new episode of the podcast covering top flight affairs for you. So hit subscribe and that way you won't ever miss another show again. Also, if you're listening in and you make your own sports podcast and you're interested in becoming a part of something big and something new and something exciting, then why not check out the Sports Social Podcast Network? It is a dedicated podcast network, the only one in the UK focusing all around sports podcast if you've got a show and perhaps you want to join the team why not check out the website sport-social.co.uk and you can find all the information there we'll have more on that for you right throughout the course of the next few weeks here on football social daily right time to answer your questions it's a wednesday so it's the time where we do aqa all questions answered a term that i still don't understand but jim started it two years ago and we're still rolling with it so why not first question comes from sean jackson on instagram he wants to know Do Manchester City have what it takes to win the Champions League this year? If not, which English side will go furthest? Come on then, Matt. You're the City fan here. What do you reckon about your European chances this season? We've just spoken about City uh, against Mönchengladbach tonight. Do you think you do have what it takes to go all the way? Absolutely. I think we've shown this season, you know, things are a little bit more different now, especially with our, um, our defensive issues. We've we've made we've made things so solid at the back. I've not seen us this solid since we had uh, Mancini at the helm. So I think if we're going to do it, this season is our best chance. And with things the way they are at the moment, there's like there's no real advantage for anyone. So it's like it's like pretty much like an open challenge for anyone that wants to go and um, try and win it this season. But you know, if we we keep our squad fit, we've only got Aki out at the moment. He's our only unfit player. If we keep um, the injuries down. You know, obviously, you need a little bit of luck to win the Europe, the European Cup or Champions League, whatever you want to call it. You know, you need that luck. You need that little bit of um, that little bit of moment of magic or a decision, a VAR decision to go your way. So yeah, why not? Why not? I don't know if another trophy will make way for it. I'm not going to start talking about quadruples because that's just not something I'll get drawn <laughs> into because I'll end up with egg on my face at the end of the season. Um, I think if we do go for um, the European Cup, maybe the FA Cup would make way for it because I can't see us dropping uh, the Premier League now. We're ten points clear. You know, the way we're going at the moment, we're like a juggernaut. We're just, we're not stopping. So it's it's hard for me because being a City fan, I'm ultimately, um, I'm not an optimist, I'm a pessimist. Yeah. And it's hard to get out. It's hard to get out of that um, that habit. But yeah, if we, if, we, if, if we keep going, then why not? Why not go for the Champions League? I think I've said this before um, a few times over the years, that the only thing with Manchester City is because they haven't done it before, they don't quite have that pedigree in terms of the prestige of winning a Champions League before. And like the fear factor of European sides isn't quite the same as maybe the fear factor of a Premier League side thinking, oh no, we've got to go to the Etihad. They're absolutely yeah. flying. They're going to smash us. Whereas, you know, we haven't seen City in Champions League finals or semi-finals that much. It's only been in the last, like you say, 10 years really that City have kind of been a regular in the Champions League. So I think maybe that perspective from other European sides it's slowly starting to change. But I think that that is also what City have got going against them is the fact that maybe they're not as feared um, as some of the other English clubs just because they haven't really been a Champions League regular for as long. Doesn't mean they're not good enough to do it. I think you're right. I think they absolutely do have what it takes to win the Champions League. And the second part of the question, if not, which English side will go furthest? If City don't win it, they'll still be the side that goes the furthest for me. I can't see Chelsea getting further than City, to be honest. I think as good as Chelsea uh, were against Atletico last night, 
I think even if they come up against a side like Bayern Munich, um, the way that they dispatched Lazio last night, I just think that they're they're a real formidable side. I think that'll be City's biggest issue, Matt. If you come up against Bayern, uh, I think that'll be the toughest toughest prospect for you. Yeah, absolutely. We need we need a lot of luck to beat them, and also we've got Liverpool as well <laughs> to have this um, this stranglehold True. on um, the Champions League. And if we come up against them, you know, league, like I said, league form goes out the window in the Champions League. I don't care where you are in the league. And like I said, like brushing much and glad back, they're eighth in the um, in the Bundesliga at the moment, but they could just turn up tonight and um, and you know turn us over. So yeah, it's going to um, like I said, it's a lot of, a lot of luck goes into winning the, the Champions League. I don't care what anyone says. I mean, look what Chelsea did in yeah. uh, 2012. Look how oh they won God, it. Yeah. They all the luck in the world to win that. So yeah, sometimes that's just what you need. Absolutely right. Next question comes from Foreign Llama on Twitter, and uh, they ask Ian: Is English football overrated? compared to the likes of La Liga, Serie A and the Bundesliga. Of course, t- talking about Spanish, Italian and German football in comparison to our English top flight. What do you make of that? Because the UEFA coefficient, which is what ranks the, basically the quality of the leagues, puts La Liga at the top and then the Premier League second. What are your thoughts on this? Do you think that the English football is overrated compared to the other leagues that we're talking about here? Well, I, I, I've... Not watched a huge amount of La Liga this this like last season, if you if you if you know what I mean. Um, but I think yeah. it's moved, hasn't it? It wasn't. It doesn't seem to be on Sky as much as it was. Um, so it, it obviously had to go mm-hmm. to search around for it a little bit more, and it's just not been on. But anyway, it's on eleven sports. <laughs> oh, is it on eleven sports? Well, that's all right because yeah, that's yeah. that's owned by uh, Raj Rizani, who owns Leeds United. So we're we're, we're taking the money from Syria. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, yeah, I found that in my experience of La Liga. Um, it it can be a little bit boring at times. Fine if you're watching Atletico or Barcelona or Real Madrid, but when you get further down the the echelons of of the league, the the matches can be, you know, pretty drab. There's not not much excitement in there. Whereas, could you not say that about Leeds? Uh, not Leeds. Could you not say that about Brighton against Burnley or West well, Brom yeah, against you, Sheffield United, though, for example? You you probably could, um, but I think when when you when it comes to Burnley, for example. We know that Burnley can beat Liverpool. Yeah. We know that there's a chance of that. But when you're speaking about, I don't know, Granada or somebody in, <laughs> in, in La Liga, you know they're going to get tonked against Barcelona. And <laughs> it's yeah, more competitive, might be goals, you mean, in England. But, yeah, there might, be, there might be goals in it. But at least there's, there's, there's always that, with the Premier League, there's always that kind of corridor of uncertainty that, that you don't necessarily know that it's going to work out that way. And, and on their day, anybody can beat anybody else. And I think that's the same for, for a few of the European leagues. I do like the Bundesliga. I like the German league. I think that's probably more akin to what we're used to in, you know, um, Blood and Thunder classic matches and, and they sort of throw everything at it a little bit more, it seems, in, in my experience of watching it anyway. Uh, and it seems to be a little bit more English style um, football. But again, but I suppose every league's got the same, hasn't it? It's got the same teams at the top um, who, are, who are, you know, getting further and further in front of, of those behind them. But um, but yeah, I don't know. The, the, certainly the um, certainly Serie A uh, and La Liga do seem to be a little bit more not quite as not quite as exciting as the Premier League. I'm not saying the Premier League is the most exciting. I, 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 if if anything, I do actually probably yeah. I think German. If, if if I could choose to go and watch any league, I'd probably go and watch German football. Mm. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. Do you think it's because mm. we're English though that we find the Premier League more interesting? Um, just purely because we are more interested in what happens because it affects the parameters of our league. So you know, for instance, you wouldn't normally watch West Brom versus Sheffield United, but 
you know, if you're a Fulham fan or a Newcastle fan, that's of yeah. premier interest to you because you might get sucked into it. It is big around the world, right? Uh, there are, it, it does have massive viewership. And I, um, one of the things that I do on an afternoon, and probably people are listening to this thinking, just what does Ian do? Um, and, <laughs> um, well, I do, I do voiceovers for, for stuff. But the other thing I do is I... I've sort of, <laughs> I sent a voiceover demo to a radio station and ended up getting a job reading the news. So um, I read the news on the biggest radio station in Malta on an afternoon. And, um, and in there, every single news bulletin ends with the, with the football fixtures uh, that's going to be on the TV tonight. And, and always Premier League top billing every single time so it's big there and i suspect similar in italy as well uh they watch it everywhere it's it's massive and it's probably the premier league is bigger in in other countries than probably is actually in this country in terms of tv viewing um you know it's it's a proper fixture and certainly in the far east i mean i've been on holiday to to far-flung places where they're up at one o'clock in the morning in, yeah. in droves watching a Liverpool match it's 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 incredible mm. I remember going to the Maldives I was on a Maldives island and there's all these staff were up at two o'clock in the morning you think what the hell's going on and they're all cheering watching Liverpool against I don't know Everton or something like that it was a big game but they were all up in the middle of the night it's incredible yeah I guess if we go back to the crux of the question though and maybe we're kind of taking this um a little bit wayward just in terms of the question was is English football overrated compared no. to the rest of the leagues we don't think it is or uh, we just are, are we just no. kind of no. beating the drum I, for why it's the best I, I think we think it's overrated because of our experience but i think around the world taking a world view of it it is it is not overrated because it is exciting and people do watch and have this you know massive kind of affinity mm. with with premier league football it is it is the you know the number one uh, I think it's probably the the, world, must, yeah. be, must be the m- number one watched league in the oh, world. Oh, by far, Ian. Yeah. By far. The, people, you know, I think people love the Premier League more than we do in this country, elsewhere in the world. Yeah, I think it's a fair comment. I, I think it's a really interesting question, actually. So thanks for your question, Foreign Llama. Final question comes from Kieran, a long-time listener of the podcast on Twitter. Thanks very much, my friend. He wants to know which manager deserves the most credit regarding their place in the Premier League table. For me, it has to be Moyes at West Ham or Marcelo Bielsa at Leeds. Good question, Kieran. Go on then, Matt, what do you think? Um, He's pinpointed Moyes and Bielsa and for me, I can't really look past those two either, to be honest. Currently, no, not at the moment. But if by the end of the season, if Fulham managed to get out of that relegation battle, I'd have to throw Mm. Scott Parker into the picture. Definitely. Because if, if, if he gets them out of that... You know, they was wrote off. I wrote them off, I think, on, on, the, on one of the podcasts at the start of the season because they made an absolutely terrible start, terrible mm. start, and it was leaking goals everywhere. But if he gets them out of there, it's give him a fighting chance now. If he gets them out of there, then I'm sorry, then Moyes, you know, he, he, it depends if Moyes gets West Ham into the top four, I suppose. If Moyes gets West Ham into the top four <laughs> and Scott Parker gets Fulham out of the relegation zone by May, you know, it's that, that'd be a tough one because West Ham in the Champions League, you know, that's that's something I'd never thought I'd see in my lifetime. Um, <laughs> so I think that'd be probably be the bigger achievement out of the two. So, yeah, it's definitely an interesting uh, question there from Kieran. And Bielsa, coming in his first uh, season in the Premier League, you know, that's not to be overlooked. He's got them playing this brand of football that's so exciting to watch, especially for the neutral. So, yeah, he definitely deserves credit. It's it's going to be difficult, though. It's going to be difficult. I think I'll, um, I'd, I'm going to hold my cards close to my chest and I'm going to say whatever's at the end of the season and I'd, I'd make my decision then. But he, he does bring up an interesting point. 
It's a really, really good point, isn't it, um, uh, about Fulham, I think, Ian. Uh, mm. Especially if Scott Parker, as Matt says, does manage to, to crowbar them out of the relegation zone. Um, I 100% think he deserves to be in the question, if that happens. But right now, um, I think as well, David Moyes has to be top of the billing. Um, I'm not sure what your thoughts are on Bielsa. I know you love him because you're a Leeds fan, but what's your take on the situation? Yeah, I think they're all good shouts. I think it's it's uh, put it this way: I'd rather not be a Newcastle fan. I mean, there's many reasons I would say that, um, but uh, but uh, you know, particularly where the table is looking, Fulham starting to get the act together, uh, and and Newcastle seem to be you know doing what Newcastle do. So yeah, if he can rescue them from that situation, because we were writing Fulham off not so long ago, and pretty much saying the bottom three is is going to remain the bottom three, um, and the fact that it's the, the gap's closing, um, it's probably making a few people a little bit nervous right now um but yeah uh, david moyes getting west ham up there and with a chance of maybe getting into europe um brilliant considering there wasn't a time not so long ago that, that we were talking about what's going on at west ham and what's david moyes playing at but again give him time uh, and things come right and same for bielsa of course um we, we know um, all about marcelo bielsa but the thing that marcelo bielsa has done that the others haven't is that he's taken a team from the middle of the championship to be a comfortable team in the premier league and with the same players apart from Rafinha and Rodrigo, um, neither of which have played every single game this season, but the rest of the squad were there uh, last year. Many of them were there the year before. Um, exactly the same players, but they're not playing the same way. They've developed and he's, he's changed them into a, a Premier League outfit. And I think that's that's what he's also brought. Yes, he, he demands exciting football, but he's developed these players to to go up a level. And people like Stuart Dallas, for example... You know, he's, he's spent years and years in uh, in, in the championship. Now is uh, looking like an established Premier League player. Patrick Bamford, thirteen goals, um, thirteen goals and five assists, by the way. Uh, and, yes, you know uh, he's he's second only to um, to Harry Kane when it comes to to contributing mm. to goals in in the Premier League for English players. So he's he's developed them. Um, yeah, I take be, your point, but you know, if yeah. Leeds were in the Europa League spots, I'd agree with you, but they're not, so I don't. It's like yeah, Sheffield United last season yeah. did the same thing, came up from the Championship and were like 5th, 6th, 7th for the majority of the season and only just missed out on the Europa League spots. Obviously now they're bottom of the Premier League with 11 points. But last season, if we're kind of taking this question on face value from last season, you could say mm. the same thing about Chris Wilder. Like he deserves the most plaudits for what he's done with that Sheffield United team for where they are in the table. So um, I totally agree with what you said about Leeds and how they've how Bielsa's kind of changed the quality of the players in terms of, of taking them up more than one or two levels. But in terms of the league table, Leeds are still 10th. Like if they get into Europe, then mm. I would probably be inclined to agree. But for me, I, I still think it's Moyes right now. Oh, yeah, Moyes, Moyes right now. But, you know, we were just talking about the, you know, what he's done uh, in, in terms of Bielsa, in terms of how far he's taken them. Um, and for, yeah. yeah, for this season, probably Moyes has to be. But, uh, yeah, I think as a Leeds fan, you'd be looking at a few fixtures from this season where they've thrown points away, given away stupid penalties, things like that, a player sent off and all this kind of stuff. Mm. And if they hadn't chucked those points away, they would be in the top six. 
Mm. Yeah, Villa fans probably listening in thinking, what about Dean Smith? What about Dean Smith? What about I think Dean he's Smith? a good shout as well. Like, he's a good shout as well. They've got two games in hand over the majority of the rest of the Premier League table, currently on 36 points. If they win those two games in hand, um, they could even be as high as sixth in the Premier League table. And then certainly if that question came along, it would be an interesting debate. But thank you very much, Kieran, for your questions. Uh, again, another great AQA section of Wednesday's Football Social Daily. Don't forget, if you want to send us a question, you can do so. Just look out for our posts on Instagram or Twitter or just send us a DM our DMs are always open so let's know if you've got anything you want us to talk about on the show at the Sports Social is our Twitter handle at Sports Social Official is the uh, Instagram page and if you're on Facebook you can find us just by tapping into the search bar the Sports Social and you should be able to find us there but that's it for another episode of today's podcast thank you very much Ian thank you Matt thank you and uh, don't forget if you're surfing to the um, Sports Social Podcast Network check out the new release from Humans of Speedway with me with Manchester Speedway legend Chris Morton MBE there you go there's your plug and cross promotion done that was a great plug that was a great (laughs) plug nice one guys (laughs) if you like motorbikes that go really fast round in circles with no brakes let's just say the motorbike version of NASCAR then Humans of Speedway is the place for you Uh, absolutely go and check out the Sports Social Podcast Network if you are looking for a lockdown listen for all things to do with sport we've got snooker podcasts dedicated football podcasts from other providers on there as Ian rightly says go and check it out Uh, but also subscribe to this one Football Social Daily the only daily Premier League podcast you can find and we'll catch you again tomorrow Football Social daily from sports social find us on twitter at the sports social hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.